0: Welcome to the social Community and show where it's our goal to help you learn, grow and transform in the person you want to become. Today I'm talking with Ben Baker. Storytelling has been a way of life for Ben from a young age. He realized that through st- telling stories, people listened to him, understood him and engaged professionally. This is what he's been doing now for over two decades. He helps brands tell engaging stories that compel their customers to take action. His mission is to have brands stop being a commodity instead. Be a brand worth loving. We talk a lot about storytelling and and the things that kind of encompass it from from a branding uh, perspective, from a marketing perspective, from a personal perspective, from a leadership, uh, management type, from all kinds of different angles. We talk a lot about this kind of concept or whatever, in in a way. Uh, One of the favorite things um, that Ben said in this interview was, how am I making people around me better? I love this concept. We get into this a few times in the episode. Lots of great nuggets of wisdom. I hope you guys take away one or two great little things Ben says here. He's been around the block for quite a while. Uh, He's got a lot of great insights and stuff. Well, without further ado, let's talk with Ben. Ben, welcome to the Social Community Show. Thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to our conversation and your nuggets and wisdom. You can Bestow upon us.
1: <laughs> Tyson, it is great being on your show. You know, I've been excited about this show for a while. You know, you and I had a pre-conversation a couple of weeks ago and we just hit it off. So Definitely. I think we are gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun with this.
0: Definitely. Thank you so much. I appreciate the uh the uh the, the compliment, the vote of confidence, maybe a little bit here for me. I appreciate that. Absolutely. You can, uh, give compliments where compliments are deserved. <laughs> Definitely. So when looking into you and all your stuff. Um, one thing that really stood out to me was, was this, I guess this power of storytelling you discovered, can you take us back to that moment? If you can remember, or some type of thing when you, you were telling a story, you heard a story, whatever it was, and you're like, Whoa, there's something there. Like, can you take us back to that? What that was like? What'd you learn?
1: Well, I've always been a storyteller. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the time I was a little kid, when, when I was really young, and we're probably talking seven, eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. One of my dad's friends was the uh, the head sales guy for a guy by the name of Tommy Vu, and I don't know if you ever heard of Tommy oh. Vu in the 1980s. So actually, I probably would have been a little older than that. if we're talking the 19 late 1970s, beginning of 1980s, I would have been 13, 14 years old. So a little bit, a little bit older than that. Okay. But Tommy Vu was told sold real estate seminars. Okay. And you know, it was, you too can make a million dollars with no money down. You can have big cars and fancy clothes and all this kind of thing. And he'd stand in front of his big house with his boat in front of him and a oh. fancy car and two women, one on each you know arm in a bikini. And what he did is he sold these real estate seminars. But what he did was he had a team of people that went across North America that did, the half day pitch the, you know, the oh, free okay. thing with 500 to a thousand people in the room that got you to take the, the seminar. And it right. was, you know, buying the tapes and all that. And these were 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. You know, I mean, we're talking big money for these yeah. things. Well, one of my dad's best friends, Sam Allman was the number one pitch man for, for Tommy Vu okay. and his brother was number two. The two of them sold more Tommy Vu products than the next 20 guys combined. Wow. And I learned from Sam at a young age, you know, the power of the story, because when he was on stage and I walked, you know, through the stage with him many, many times, Mm -hmm. it was all about the stories. When he, you knew people were leaning in was when he was telling stories. You know, when he was telling stories from his life mm-hmm. and, you know, and Tommy's life and how this happened and, you know, and, and the good, the bad and the ugly and, and this happened, we had a problem and and, you know, we overcame it and this was the challenge and then we overcame that problem. And because of all that, this is what we learned. And if you take this course for $25,000, we too can teach you how to be that as well. And. People were, you know, reaching into their back pocket, grabbing their checkbook, and you know, drinking the Kool Aid. Uh, you know, and it was it was a magical, magical thing from a young age. Watching this to sit there and say, you know. All he's doing is getting people to believe. He's getting people to trust him. He's getting people to to be able to put the vision in their mind's eye, internalize it, and and turn it part of something that they need to have, something that they walked in the door knowing nothing about, maybe having a casual interest in, and by the time the door shut at the end of the day, these people were in hook, line, and sinker, and it was the stories that did it. so I learned from a very early age, the power of telling stories. And, you know, early on in my sales career, I was always told have three stories at the go. Okay. Always have three stories at the go, whether you're on the golf course, whether you're in a meeting, whether you're anything, you know, and be able to relate those stories to the situation that you're in. Okay. You know, customize those stories, <laughs> relate those stories, change, you know, change them around a little bit, keep them authentic, make sure they're truthful,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but be able to sit there and augment them in such a way that it teaches a lesson that is relevant to the people that you're in front of. Because people remember stories far more than they remember marketing pithy comments and jingles and this and that other thing. You know, take the Super Bowl, for example. Mm-hmm. Can you sit there today? And we're only what February third was the Super Bowl. We're you know we're not God that man. far away from it. You know how many of those commercials
0: can you remember today? I, not that many. Yeah, they weren't very memorable to begin with. I think, but that's the
1: yeah. truth of the matter. It says that they're they're designed for the hype of the moment, mm-hmm. but they didn't engage with your heart, your body, and right. your soul. Yeah, And a story does that. A story does that. And not only that is, it allows for recall Mm -hmm. and it it allows for people to retell. And when you can get people to recall your story and retell
0: it to others, that's when the magic happens. Right. On that Super Bowl commercial type thread or whatever, maybe you have some insight into this. I see, notice, whatever nowadays, these commercials make no sense at all. I don't understand them. They, I don't understand how they align with the product or whatever yeah. it is. And it just baffles me. And I don't, I don't get it. Do you have insight into that? Um, or, or what, whatever it is, what's It seems like they're just trying to make some viral thing happen no matter what the product or whatever it is. I don't know. Do you have insight into that?
1: I, I think the, the word that you're trying to say is, is viral. It's absolutely. Okay. It's sitting there going, it's the shock and awe. Mm-hmm. If you have something that's shock and awe or cute, I mean, Why do bunny rabbit and and cat videos Mm. go through the internet like wildfire? I don't understand. I don't understand it either, but they do because it's that, you know, it's that cute and cuddly that, you know, that funny thing, that stupid thing that somebody does and that people want to see it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And these guys who spend $3 million a minute or $3 million for 30 seconds seconds, on on the Super Bowl commercial, realize they're never going to get the ROI mm-hmm. on that 30 seconds. There's right. never, you know, they've got a million and a half or, you know, in, invested in developing this commercial. They got $3 million every 30 seconds. Hopefully, they have enough cash to show it three or four times during the, the Super Bowl. Right. But where they are going to make their money is those viral Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube over and over and over and over again, because people are now going to see it 7, 10, 20, 50, 100, 200 times. And once you've seen this commercial 200 times, you may still not remember the commercial, but you'll be thinking about you. What you're doing is you're thinking about the product Mm -hmm. and you're thinking about the brand. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's trying to ingrain that thought process of the brand into your psyche By having you see it over and over and over again, by having you watch something that may seem silly and benign and nothing to do with the brand, but it's getting that brand in front of you. It's getting that logo in front of you, you know, time and time again. And then when you're in the grocery store or wherever you are, you're going to reach for that Coca-Cola instead of that Pepsi. You're going to reach for that Budweiser instead of Coors or whatever, because that logo is, you know, psychologically implanted into your brain, right that's, that's playing the big boy game. That's playing the big boy game that, you know, that's, that's, that's omni-channel in its, in its best sense. It truly is, you know, but the problem with that is that's for the big boys, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're taking a look at the majority of people out there, the majority of brands out there do not have the capitalization to play that game. And, you know, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk just did something on his birthday, what was it, a couple of months ago, Mm -hmm. where it was a 264 slide deck on how to take one piece of content and cut it up a hundred different ways, and you should be putting out a hundred pieces of content a day. Well, if you're a $400 million corporation with a $30 million budget to support the brand that is Gary Vaynerchuk, Mm -hmm. you can do that because you've got 25 people whose job it is to cut splice and and send out. But if you're like you and me, that's a one, two, five, 10, 20 person company, you got to rely on something better. You got to rely on, let's put out really good content that is Sniper focused at your audience. Yeah. The people that truly a care about you need your product and have the capitalization to pay for whatever your services are,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because if they don't have all three of those things, they're not a customer.
0: Right.
1: And, you know, it's, it's playing the game at different levels, depending on what are your objectives, you know, and, and truly who are you as a brand?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you get people coming to you with that? You know, how do I be Gary Vanderchuck? How do I how do I have this thing? I I, I get customers like that. Uh, clients come through and they're like, How do I be like this? And it's like, listen, you, you can't play that game.
1: You know, you know what? I mean, here's the thing everybody started somewhere. Gary Vaynerchuk started off in his parents' basement doing the wine TV or whatever, I forget what the yeah. name of the, of the, the like wine that. channel TV.
0: Yeah.
1: Everybody started everybody Wine library. There it is. Everybody starts somewhere. It, 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 not the fact that you can't do it, but it's, it's how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Right. And it's, it's realizing that you don't go from a $100,000 company to a $400 million company overnight. There is no hack. There is no simple fix. There is no shortcut for doing it. Gary Vaynerchuk was nobody yeah. For 10 years mm-hmm. before all of a sudden he became Gary Vaynerchuk and people all of a sudden paid him $50,000, $100,000 or whatever they pay him for a keynote address that, you know, the fact that he is everywhere. He says that he spoke to 20 people on a, on a late night radio show, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand times. Before he got, you know, in front of an audience, that was a a significant thing, you know, so you got to be able to put in the time, you got to be able to put in the effort. It doesn't mean you can't be the next Gary Vaynerchuk or Richard Branson or whatever. But the people who think that, you know, Richard Branson or Gary Vaynerchuk or Bill Gates and all those guys got there easy. None of them got there easy. No. None of them got there without failure. None of them got there without banging their heads against the wall mm-hmm. and looking at their, you know, at their bank account at the end of the month going, am I going to make payroll? Yeah. I will guarantee you every single one of these guys at some point in their life, you know, looked at the, at their bank balance and said,
0: am I going to make payroll this month? Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's the, I wish we heard more of those stories. Like um I think one of those type of examples like Steve Jobs. I just I really hate when people It's like, do you, even understand how broke and bankrupt that company was. He was on the verge of bankruptcy so many times, like, and he got fired from Apple. He was right, yeah. And, and they only brought him back because the company was ready to shut the doors any day. Oh date. yeah, and, and then like, well, let's give this guy another shot. Like he did good with Pixel, you know, Pixar. Maybe we can turn this around. And people don't see that, and, and it's like we glorify this stuff. And yeah. What do yeah, you, remembers you? The next,
1: Who remembers the next computer?
0: Yeah, I, I bet you most people that love Steve Jobs and love Apple stuff don't even have any idea what that was. Yeah, yeah. And I, I owned I, one. I barely know. I barely yeah. know it. I was I wasn't old enough to to own one, but I know enough about, about that story. I like the I like the failure part of the story. I like the the he went and he said, you know, screw you Apple. I'm I'm going to show you how I can make this PC I want to make. And he went and made the next stuff, and it was a huge flop. It, it, was. it was it
1: was a huge flop
0: massive flop millions and millions i think i want to say it was 100 something millions hundreds 100 million dollars just down the drain nobody bought them i mean barely uh it, it was it was horrible and then he went on the pixar and it was a smash hit you know and a lot of people don't even know he was associated with that or affiliated with that in any way at all and but that i like i like that he just didn't give up and he kept trying and he kept reiterating and stubbornly he must have learned something on the way even though it seems like he never did um, and then he went to Apple and then, you know, he went back to Apple and it's like, let's try and make colorful PCs. And that just that just took off. And it, that really was what saved their business. But it was also the fact that he sat there and said, we have to get back to basics. Yes. It was
1: the, it was the thought processes. Do we know our clients? No. Do we know why our clients buy from us? No. Right. You know, if you look at Apple today, it's not Apple computers. Wow. It's Apple. Apple brand. is a brand that talks about innovation, mm-hmm. it talks about lifestyle, it talks about FOmo, mm-hmm. you know it talks about all those type of things. Yeah you know the fact that they sell technology, you know the truth of the matter is, they could get into you know insurance, mm-hmm. and if they could make it make sense with the Apple ecosystem, they would be extremely successful with it.
0: Well, they got a credit you card know, now, so they figured that out.
1: Well, they've got a credit card, and and you know if they if all of a sudden they created their own their own well, they have their own insurance. You, you know do. they have, they have their own insurance for the for the Apple products. Yeah. So to be able to move there out to another range of insurance products might be a next level, but you never know where a company is going. You know if you if you concentrate on your core values and you concentrate on this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. and and have your brand be what you believe not being tied to a specific product or service, mm-hmm. you know, your customers will go along with you on that ride. You know, if people say, no, they make hammers, that's it. They're, they're a hammer company. You know, it's a Stanley hammer company. No, but you know, it's but Stanley tools, but people think of the Stanley hammer first and foremost, mm-hmm. you know, and the question is, could they do a set of electrical tools? Probably not, because right. they're not that's not what people think about them mm-hmm. for.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, so it's a matter of sitting there going, what do you want your brand to be? And how you know, how do you build your core values in such a way that if the market changes as needs change, as your customers change, you can evolve with them and your customers will see that evolution happen
0: with you. How and, are you and, and believe in you? Yeah. How are you coaching clients or or customers or whatever it be to craft that story, to think about that story and and to make that, you know, not just something they believe in, but something they kind of, they put out there in the world.
1: Yeah, it's for me, it's getting them to understand why the story is important. Mm -hmm. You know, first and foremost, your brand story is for your employees. And most people look at me and go, huh? You know, I don't get it. Yeah. If your employees don't trust, believe in, and work towards the values of the brand mm-hmm. and, and, and extol the virtues of the brand, no customer will ever believe in it. Plain and simple. It's, it's, it's all about building trust. If your employees understand this is what we do, this is why we do it, this is where we came from, this is where we are, these are who our customers are, this is the value that we provide to them, and this is where we're going. They'll provide that story and the customer experience along with it to your customers to go along with it and to your vendors. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, if your vendors buy into your brand story, all of a sudden, they're looking for solutions that are going to help make your brand better because they get it. They get where you're going. You know, they're, they're no longer selling you stuff. They're helping you achieve an objective. Your clients are helping you achieve an objective, you're, you're, it, which in most part is helping them achieve their objectives. But your employees understand how they belong. And all of a sudden, they're engaged. You know, you retain them as employees and they grow with you instead of having this horrific, horrible circular door of having to hire people over and over for the same position because employees
0: don't feel listened
1: to, understood, or valued.
0: How 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 are you how are you building this trust? What what is I mean, in in the most authentic way, I can see I can see people trying to build trust. In, in a in a salesy kind of scammy kind of way, like, well, we got to build trust. Let's just put out a manual and and whatever. Versus something I, I I I would think needs to be more authentic. How are How are you doing that?
1: It, it's got to be authentic. I mean, trust. I was just on a thread this morning with some people, and, and the question is, do you give trust right away to employees, or do they have to earn trust? Mm. And overwhelming is is that if you hire somebody, you need to trust them, right? Why are you hiring them if you don't trust them? You know, if you're not willing to give these people the keys and alarm code the first day they walk into the office, once they learn learn how to turn on and off the lights and, and the alarm code and all that kind of stuff, why are you hiring them? You know, you may not give them access to the bank account right away, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know, you're trusting them with your clients. You're trusting them with your, you know, with your R&D, with your IP, with, you know, A hundred different things, you need to trust the people that work with you. And you know, that comes down to leadership, communication, and culture. Mm -hmm. You know, leadership, there's too many companies out there that have managerial cultures versus leadership cultures. And a manager tells you what to do, Mm -hmm. a leader tells you why you're doing it. Right. Okay. You know, and it's it's really important to work in a culture where you understand why you're doing it and you have somebody you know, who leads you within your team, whether it's a team of five, whether it's a team of a hundred or 10,000 that can show you, this is where we're going. And this is why we're going there. And this is how you belong. And this is how the work you do matters. And if you make a mistake, and you have the best interest of the customer and the the company at heart, that's okay. Let's work through this. Let's find out what happened, what went wrong. Let's figure it out together and let's figure out how we're not going to do this again. You know, that's, that's leadership where, where a manager is writing a report on you and, and telling you that if you you do it again, you're fired. Mm. And so it's really getting rid of the managerial mindset of my job is to You know, make sure that these people with carrot and stick do the job that they're supposed to do on day in and day out, Mm -hmm. because that doesn't work anymore. You know, that just doesn't work anymore. People need to be trusted. People need to be said, say, you know what, this is what we're trying to achieve. I trust you. Go do it. You know, the best leaders I've ever known is somebody walks into their office and says, we have a problem. I said, okay, what are the two solutions you have? You know, if you can walk into a leader's office and say, you know what, this happened, a mistake, I own it, something happened, we have a problem, whatever it is, but here are two different ways that we can fix this. A leader has done their job, because what they've done is they've empowered their people to think. And the more we can empower our people to think the more engaged they're going to be, the better employees are going to be, the better customer experience they're going to give, the more loyal the clients are going to give. And therefore, guess what? All of a sudden you stop being a commodity and you start being a brand worth loving.
0: Mm. It reminds me of a story. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. Uh, There's a guy at uh, Intel, the chip processor company. Yep. I-, I forget what he did, but he wanted to cost a company $10 million. And he walked in his boss's office. He's like, I guess I'm fired. He's like, why would I fire you? I just spent $10 million educating you. And then from that moment on, he just was, you know, a loyal customer. And there's kind of that sentiment of like, you're talking about that, that manager versus that leader type mentality.
1: Yeah. It's so sunk some costs. You're right. If this employee just costs you 10 million bucks, mm-hmm. you're not getting that $10 million out of him. You're yeah. not going to get that 10 million bucks out of this guy's hide. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Right. If they had done it with malice and forethought and we're not thinking of the customer and not thinking of, of, the, of the brand and they just did it you know, without a, a care or one in the world, that's a different story. Right. But if they sit there and say, you know what, guess what, I screwed up, yeah. you know, I get it, I made a mistake, you're not getting back that money. You consider that money you've already invested in that person Right. and move forward with it and figure out how do we turn those lemons into lemonade you know, if this person goes and does it again, guess what? Then you have a different issue altogether. Right. But you know, if they learn from this and all of a sudden they go on and be an incredible employee and all of a sudden that employee says, you know what, they stood behind me when I made this major mistake. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, there, there wasn't the finger pointing, there wasn't laying the blame. There was, how do we fix this? And how do we learn from this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Guess what? They're going to tell that to every other employee that they know. And they're going to tell it to customers,
0: right? And they're going to feel safe and secure at their job and know they can try things and do things. And if I make a mistake, it's OK. I'm not going to be fired. I can try to do things and make things better, make changes, make mm-hmm. waves a little bit in a, in a good non-malice way. Companies don't grow if mistakes don't happen. Right. Yeah. You know, if, if, if
1: you're always doing the same thing, if you're if things are always perfect, you're not pushing the envelope. Right, and you're not innovating, and you're not changing, you're not growing, and you're always and sooner or later you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. As a company, you are absolutely going backwards because if you're not moving forwards, you're going backwards, and you know all of a sudden somebody's going to be behind you and is going to leapfrog you, and they're going to eat your lunch. Yeah. So allowing your people to make those mistakes and you know and challenge things and push the envelope and and experiment. Mm-hmm keeps you at the cutting edge, keeps you strong and keeps you at the forefront of your industry and makes you more valuable to your
0: customers. You know, that's your R and D budget. Right. I, is there a way, if you know, of identifying, let's say myself as a, a manager in that manager yes. role that we were talking about and saying, Ooh, I'm a manager, but I know I need to become a leader. Can can you identify yourself as that and then if you can how and then what do I do to become a leader in the sense we're talking about here?
1: The biggest question is and I tell people when I'm when I'm leading workshops or on my online course and you know things I do I have a course that I teach called how to retain people through leadership. Okay. And the biggest question that I ask people is When you wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? Is your first thought, how am I going to make people around me better? Or how am I going to make myself better? Mm. A leader is thinking about the people around them first, foremost, and always. It's not about the individual victory. It's not about puffing your own chest and making yourself look better, making yourself look better to your boss. Guess what? If your team is kicking ass and taking names, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: people will notice that you're, that you're the one leading that team, you know, but if all of a sudden you're the one stealing other people's ideas and taking responsibility for stuff that other people did and all that kind of stuff, you're going to get that reputation real quick of being that person that is, you know, um, we don't trust this person. Mm-hmm. And you may be a manager for the rest of your life because, you know, if they don't fire you, they're certainly not going to promote you.
0: Right. So I guess it, you would have to really probably do a lot of self-discovery, self kind of ego disillusion type of thing to say, I'm a manager, I'm this guy and I need to stop. Is that, well, is that how I'm hearing that correctly?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things that I, I would suggest doing. Um, one, there's something called Strength Finders by Gallup. Strength Finders 2.0 by Gallup. Strike, is that what you're saying? St- uh, strength. Strength Finders 2.0 by Gallup. Remind me afterwards, I'll sa- I'll send you the link, and you uh, you can you can sh- give it to your uh, to your I'll put that uh, into your audience shot. Exactly. Yeah, what shot. it is, it's, it's an online test, and either you'll find your top five strengths, or your top 34 strengths. You, I think it's 1995 US for your top five strengths and 34 for the entire report. And it gives you a PDF report. It says, these are the things I'm good at. Okay. And it really gives you a good idea of what are the things you are good at and gives you a real good assessment of who you truly are. You know, too many people focus on the things that they're bad at. Yeah. This test really focuses on what are the things that are good at? What are my strengths? And by doing that, you get a pretty good assessment of how do you, how, you know, what are your, what are your motivations? You know, what are the motivations behind you? And it it will give you a pretty good idea of whether you are truly a leader or you're a manager. If you're in that situation, the other thing is this, my book, powerful personal brands, a hands-on guide to understanding yours. I wrote it two years ago and it's all about getting people to understand, codify, and communicate their value to others. You know, because I'm a big believer of until you love yourself, until you understand yourself, if you understand your own you know, emotions and motivations, you can't lead other people. Right. And what I've done throughout this book is I, I've told stories, I've given the lessons behind them, and I ask a question and then I have two pages of of lines where you can write in your own thoughts okay and it's it's really designed to get you to think about who are you and what matters in your life mm. you know there's things like what are the top 3 movies that you absolutely love and why mm. you know why do you love these movies who are the people that were the influential for you, you know, growing up and why you know why, what did you learn from these people you know what are you passionate about and why are you passionate about it? And when you can really dive into these things, like if you were going to create your own manifesto, mm-hmm. what would that manifesto look be? By the way, here's mine. And I put my manifesto right up there. Yeah, And I said, here's my manifesto. Here's the things that I believe in. What are the things that you truly believe in? And the more you can understand that, the more you have an understanding of who you are as a human being. and Until you're comfortable with yourself, until you believe in yourself and until you understand the good, the bad and the ugly about yourself and embrace it all, you're never going to be a great leader.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then what I'm hearing also in this that I was thinking about is when you have all that information in in, in whatever capacity, I I think this would help you be able to craft this story, whether it's you as that employee within a company or is it or there's your company and saying, this is what I'm about. This is what we're about and yes. being able to craft that. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah. Cause your brand, your brand story is the Genesis of of either the Genesis of you mm-hmm. or the Genesis of your company. Where did you come from? What, what are the things that brought you to to that aha moment? And how did you get from that aha moment to where you are today? You know, what are the challenges? What are the things that went well? What are the things that didn't go well? What have you learned around the way mm. to where you are today? Now that you're here, what are the things that we do well? Who do we do them well for? Why do these people find us valuable? How do we change their lives? And more importantly, where are we going? Mm. And whether that's a personal brand or whether that's a corporate brand, the questions that you're going to ask are very similar. Right. Because you know, it's, it's that I came from here. This is my history. You know, um, this is what I believe in. I, you know, I have a customer uh, that I worked with a, a couple of years ago that the family started on a homestead in the 1850s in rural Saskatchewan. Wow. You know, they still own that property. Wow. You know, and it's the, and to them, family is the most important thing and he owns 150 200 million dollar company Mm -hmm. and to him family is the most important thing and his employees are family and his customers are family Mm -hmm. and his vendors are family and everybody gets treated like family you know and because of that that's you know very large projects are done on handshakes I like there's, there's a, there's a lot of, I'm going to stare you in the eye. I'm going to shake your hand. We're going to say, I promise, Mm -hmm. and this is going to get done.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, and he's been very successful that way, but he can tell that story of we, you know, I grew up on a farm in rural Saskatchewan. And my father and my grandfather grew up on this farm and this is what we learned. And this is how, why I got into the tractor business. And what he does is he sells tractor equipment, like these huge combine tractor Mm -hmm. equipment across North America, or at least across Canada. I'm not sure if it's across North America, but at least across Canada. And you know, when you're selling half million, million, $2 million pieces of equipment, you know, People sit there and go, well, if you're $50,000 cheaper, maybe, you know, maybe I'll, I'll change brands. People don't change brands because they deal with, you know, it's a family mentality and that he knows that the family will take care of you. Right. You know, and that's the story they tell as a brand.
0: I like that. I, I love those handshake deals. It reminds me of um, Marcus Lemonis. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He does all his deals on handshake deals. And I like that, that we, it seems like we, we got away from that trust and that trust in other people. Um, some, some many years ago, I'm not sure how it is in Canada, but that's how it feels like here in America. You know, um, I, I, I can't remember last time I signed a contract with a customer or client or whatever. I don't, you, you don't want to pay or you don't want to whatever that's on you. That's on your conscious. That's on you. I'm going to fulfill my end. I don't need a contract to, then you know, we we agreed on something. I think we should all follow through. That's why I like to do business as well. Yeah.
1: And, and following up on that, I mean, I would say that social media has a lot to do with why we don't trust anybody, mm-hmm. because there's too many people that are one way on social media, yeah. and another way in in person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you, if, and if that's the case, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody shows up one way on social media, you know, you you go through their marketing, you 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 go through all these things, you you know, you you build up a no like trust with these people. Right. You know, and all of a sudden you meet their sales rep or you meet the owner, you go in and visit the company, or you go to buy and you have this horrific in-person experience. Mm. It just blew everything out the door yeah. that you just saw online and you go, why would I ever trust you again? If you, if this is your promise online yeah. and this is how your people behave, mm-hmm. why would I ever trust you again? Mm. And, you know, people have got to get back to the fact that, you know what, not everybody is your customer. Not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody is going to know, like, and trust you. And that's okay. There's seven and a half billion people in the world. 99.9% of those people will, A, never know who Ben Baker is. Right. Will never want to do business with me. Will never trust me. and, And, you know, that's okay because I couldn't handle their business, even if it all walked in the door. Right. So we all need to sit there and say, what does success look like to us? Yeah. What is your personal definition of success? And be able to live your life and create your brand and create your company based on your values and your ideas of what success is. Your idea of success, I met a guy last night, who makes almost a million dollars a year online doing online courses, mm-hmm. and gives away about nine hundred thousand dollars of it to, a year to charity? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and that that's for him. He's lived in India. He's lived in Bangladesh. He's watched people starve on a dollar a day, mm-hmm. and his attitude is, I don't need to have the big fancy car, the big fancy houses, everything. If I can sell a million, two million, five million, ten million dollars of this course then I can give away 95% of it.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, and that's how he wants to live his life. And that's, you know, and probably more people buy his course because that story is behind it. Mm -hmm. And they can see the money that he gives and he, he, his blog is full of stories about all the money that he gives away to charity and how, how this charity has impacted other people's lives. So why wouldn't you buy this course? Even I feel if like you didn't, a course. Yeah, yeah, even if you didn't want the course, yeah. you, you might spend one hundred and fifty bucks, or you know, seventy-five bucks, or one hundred and twenty-five bucks on the course because you know that this guy is actually taking the money and using it to do good in the world, right? So it's a matter of understanding what your purpose is and being able to tell the story of that purpose, mm-hmm. you know, to the world in a way that that, that resonates with them.
0: <clears throat> I like that some. Um, it, you ever you ever heard of or read that essay by Kevin Kelly of One Thousand True Fans? Yes. This is kind of what this reminds me of. Uh, if you get folks out there haven't read it, I'll link I'll link to it or whatever. But it says this, you know, um, you know, we we think we need these hundreds of thousands, millions of people to sustain this lifestyle or whatever we you know whatever, but we really don't. And um, I've really taken that to heart, and I, I've really passed that message on to a lot of clients. I had this I, one that comes to mind was. Um, she was new as a therapist She, well, I, I, you know, how do I do this? And I want to make this big thing. And I was like, how many clients a year do you need to live the lifestyle you want? She, I don't know. I said, do you think you could live 100 clients, like 50 clients? Like, what do you need? And, you know, and she had no idea. I was like, do you think you could have a good life if, you know, you had 100, 150 clients and that's all you ever dealt with? Because you think you can go out and find those people? And she said, Well, what about the other millions of people? I was like, you, you can't handle those people. You cannot possibly see these millions of people that have this thing. She a very, very specific kind of thing, trauma. She Doesn't was, it matter. Yeah. You know. But she just, she just could not get past the, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But there's millions of people that are suffering from this. And I'm like, You can't do that. Like, you can make a huge impact in 100 people's lives. Like, you know, you also got to understand the, the, whatever or the, she's got to change her from- model.
1: She has to sit there and say, my job in life is to train the people that are going to train the people that are going to train the people to be able to get this out to the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's know, that If yeah, you're or- going to
1: just be a solo practitioner, you're right. You can influence a hundred, 150, 200 people, 500 people, I mean, maybe. maybe a thousand,
0: maybe yeah. a thousand people. Yeah. In your but lifetime if, as a practitioner, maybe.
1: Yeah, if you're a practitioner, but if you want to take your idea mm-hmm. and have it as an idea worth spreading, take the TED, you know, the TED model. Right. Then your job is to influence others and let them influence others, and so on and so on and so on. You know, I love what you're saying because you know Seth Godin it, talks about a minimal viable audience.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: How many people do you need to make this product work? Mm -hmm. Because if you can have, as you said, a thousand true fans or a hundred true fans or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they sit there and say, I love this. Yeah. It's not, I like this. I love this. Mm -hmm. I can't live without this. This is amazing. I got to have this. And this is incredible. And I'm going to tell every single person that I know Mm -hmm. about this. And say those thousand people have a thousand people, you know, that they influence mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have a million people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and all
1: you did was influence a thousand people, Yeah, you know, if you influence a hundred people and they influence a hundred people, that's ten thousand. You get those ten thousand to turn around and influence a hundred people again, each hundred people again, and it grows accordingly. Mm-hmm. The trick is to make raving fans. Yes, you know it doesn't have to be a lot of raving fans, mm-hmm. but if you can, if you can create raving fans that sit there and say, "I'm always going to go," you know and I'm going to always do business with Tyson. Tyson's incredible. He always takes care of me. You know, he always knows what I need. He always, you know, is reliable when I call him up. He's there on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, he you know, I always get great service. I always get, you know, insight that I don't get somewhere else. Oh my god, you have this problem? You have to talk to Tyson. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden that is worth millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm in facebook ads and google you know google adwords and linkedin and, and 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 email funnels and all that kind of stuff one person telling another person oh my god you have this problem you need to deal with tyson right. that is worth a million dollars in advertising yep. every single time it is it is because you don't have to sell that person they're mm-hmm. already sold all you have to do is take care of that person the same way that you take care of the person who you know who introduced you to them.
0: Yeah, that that is absolutely true. What are some tips maybe you have that you you constantly see or share that help craft that story? What are like the couple, maybe two, three top things that really help people hone in on that? I, I think it's
1: it's iterations. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the first time you you tell your brand story will never be as good as the five hundredth time you tell your brand right, story. Right you know, you're always going to be tweaking it. And and I, I keep, I can't say this enough. It has to be authentic. Yeah. It has to be you, you know, your people will not tell your brand story exactly the same way that you do. And you don't want them to, you know, you want them to internalize a story and tell the story from their point of view, not yeah. your point of view from their point of view. Yeah. You know, so here's the basic story, here's what the story is, internalize it and be able to bring it out and 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 understand why it matters to you and why it matters to the people that are in front of you. You're gonna tell the story differently to a set of bankers than you are to a set of soccer moms. Right. You know, the basic underlying premise of the story is gonna be the same, but the but the things that you focus on may be different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all true. Yeah. It's all it, but you may use certain parts of the story with certain people and different parts of the story with different people. It's understanding who is the audience and why do they care? You know, what is the problem that they're having? Why is the hair coming out of their head? Why is their face about to explode? Know because they've got a problem. Mm -hmm. People deal with you because they've got a problem. I don't care who you are in the world. People come to you with money in their hands or a Visa card. You know, burning a hole in their pockets because they have a problem that they can't fix. And the reason why they're going to give you their hard-earned money is because they believe that you can fix that problem effectively in ways that is worth more to them than the money that they have in their pocket.
0: Yeah. That's the key is understanding people are looking to solve a problem, they're looking to alleviate a pain always. Yeah. Always.
1: I mean in 30 years of sales that that's the one thing I learned, you know, very early on is what's the underlying problem that people have. Mm-hmm. And it's never the fact of, you know, it's never the first thing out of their mouth. Yeah. It's absolutely never the first thing out of your mouth and you have to be willing to listen and you have to be willing to dig a little deeper and ask why and what and what does this mean to you and what will happen if this happens. Mm. And the more you can dive into understanding what the real problem is at the end of the day, the better off you're going to be. Mm. You know, the better off you're going to be and be able to sit there and say, okay, now I understand what, you're, what the real problem is Let's see if we can figure this out together. And if you can't solve their problem, find them somebody who can. Yeah, absolutely. Because even if you don't make a dime off of it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what you've done is you've cemented trust with this person.
0: Yeah.
1: They said, oh my God, I went to Ben with this problem. You know what? He realized right off the bat, he asked me a bunch of questions, realized that he couldn't help me, but he introduced me to somebody who could fix my problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was amazing. Yeah. You know, and he didn't make a dollar off of it, but he spent an hour with me to find out what my problem was and help me, you know, help me solve it.
0: You've that. elevated your
1: brand enormously.
0: With the, when you're talking about tweaking your message, is something maybe we should go back quarterly, biannually, annually, look at this and say, did we make changes or is that too stringent? And we just, what I, you I
1: think you need to sit there and say what's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, you you need to constantly look I, I'm a big believer of every organization needs to have somebody in the office whose job it is even in a company of one mm-hmm. who's got their eyes 5 years on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And what are the things that could be coming up that could change my business? What are the you know what are the customers needs? What are the technology changes? Who are the new players in the marketplace? you know, dynamics, other things that are going on and be able to sit there and say, okay, these are the things I can influence. These are the things I can't influence. These are the things I know. These are things I don't know. Maybe I need to find out more about this. Even to just have a conversation and say, okay, what does AI really mean to my business? Maybe it's worth me spending 500 or a thousand bucks to bring in an AI person to sit there and have a two-hour conversation with me to say, what could AI do for me in the long term? you know, is it worth investing it now? Or is this something that I should be looking at in the next three to five years? Yeah. You know, and what's the value of doing it? You know, so we need to be doing that with our brand as well. We need to be sitting there and saying, does our brand still resonate with our audience? And that's ongoing communication with our people. That's ongoing, you know, communication with our employees, with our vendors, with our customers to sit there and say, are we taking care of you in the way that you need to be taken care of? You know, and then shutting up yeah, and not being offended if they say no. You know, if all of a sudden they say, well, really? No, you're not. Well, okay. Why not? What, what's changed? You know, oh, we do that. Well, that's silly. We can fix that in five seconds. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, you know what? The way you guys send us the invoices doesn't work for our accounting system. Okay, you're a $2.5 million client. We can modify your invoices. Okay, it's going to take us a little bit of time, and a little bit of money, but for us to sit there and modify these invoices to make it easier for you to be able to read and bring into your system, yeah, okay, we'll do that. You know, we'll, 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 we'll invest the time and the energy and the the money to do that. If, if, if that's going to make your life a little bit easier and that's going to cement our relationship. But if you never ask that question, Mm -hmm. if you're afraid to say, how are we doing, what could we be be better? What are some things that you're seeing out there in the marketplace that you'd really like us to be able to do for you? You know, if you don't have people that are asking those questions of your customers, And asking those questions for your employees as well, because they're, you know, they're talking to their buddies and they're sitting there going, well, this company does this for their employees, but we don't do this. Mm -hmm. Then if you don't have a pulse on it, if you're not asking the question, sometimes you can't do anything about it. But if you can, and it's not, you know, absolutely horrifically expensive to do it in a way that's just not viable, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you at least take a look at it and sit there and say, okay, Maybe if we make these small little changes, we can cement this client relationship, or this employee relationship, or this vendor relationship, and all of a sudden we're a stronger company because of it.
0: I like to circle back around to this AI thing. You being in this employee retention type of space, yep. um, I, from what I see in, in the market, and what's going on is, I, I a lot of people feel like their jobs are being taken away from AI. How a do you see that, and then how do you talk to Employees or employers about what may or may not be happening with that.
1: It's a long conversation, but here's the short of it. Um, I could probably talk to you for about an hour on this. (laughs) Uh, AI, machine learning technology, whatever has, is, and will be changing the world the way the world works. Mm -hmm. That's reality. Absolutely, you know it's it's reality we have two problems. One, many corporations don't understand how to use the technology effectively. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand the limitations of the, of the technology that when it's time for the technology to kick out and create a, you know, have a human being, let's, let's take customer experience for a reason. You call up to a call center. Okay. And you get the automated voice or the bot online or, you know, your, your online chatbot or your automated voice, and it asks you a bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. Well, sooner or later, the questions, it's either going to answer the question you need simply and easily
0: mm-hmm.
1: or it can't. Right. And the problem is when it can't, do you hang up or does it automatically say, would you like to talk to a human being? Would you like somebody who can answer these questions for you? Yes. Now, what should happen there? What should happen is all the information that the AI has gathered already should be pushed out onto a dashboard. So when the customer experience person answers the phone, they already know your name, where you're calling from, what you guys have been talking about. And here's two or three possible solutions that the the technology could be, you know what, we're having a problem with the shipment. Oh, okay, I've got your tracking number. I've got where your thing is all sitting on a dashboard. Mm -hmm. So we can start having an intelligent conversation instead of, you know, somebody answering the phone and saying, hi, my my name is Bob. Who am I talking to? And all of a sudden you've spent 15 minutes online waiting for this customer's experience person, thinking the bot was taking care of, you know, giving you all this information and you're starting from scratch.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a big frustration so, I have. Too. So
1: that's an enormous frustration of any company, and you know, and companies think that technology can do anything. Oh, well, we have a we have a customer service email. Everybody can just send anything to email. Well, some people just want to hear a voice. Yeah, somebody wanted to hear a voice, and sometimes people just want to vent. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're you know, they just need somebody to hear them. As I said, people want to be listened to. They want to be understood, and they want to be valued. Mm-hmm. Computers will never be able to do that. Yeah, never. I don't care how sophisticated computers could be; they will not be able to empathize. Mm-hmm. They will not be able to extrapolate. They will not be able to sit there and, and be able to problem solve at a level and say it says this is you know an outlying issue. This is what makes sense for this particular customer. You know, we can go ahead and do this for this one particular customer technology can't be programmed for that. What it can be doing is it can give broad generalizations, but you need a human being to sit there and listen and say, well, that doesn't make sense. Hang on a sec. Yeah. You need me to wipe out that one penny on your invoices that keep showing up every month. No problem. Hang on. It's done. Right, you know, cool. and you know, technology can't do that because technology says, well, you owe us a penny. Right. Yeah. It's a one in a zero situation. You owe us that penny where a human being needs to be able to look at that and go, yeah, the human being on the end of this thing is being frustrated because they're getting a penny invoice every, and they're being told that it's 30, 60, 90 days overdue yeah. and we're paying 10 bucks or five bucks every time to send somebody an invoice mm-hmm. for a penny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where companies need to realize that they, we need to retrain our people to make them better at dealing with the human issues and being able to empower our people to deal with human issues as they came up. Use technology where technology makes sense. Mm -hmm. There are certain things where if it's a simple rote thing that people ask over and over and over again, and you can create a video, a really, really well done video that explains the situation Mm -hmm. and shows people step by step by step how to deal with something, great. Send it to them and says, did this video help? Yes, no. No, boom, automatically goes to tech support and a human right. being takes over. And that tech support person already knows you've watched the video. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how technology and humanity need to work hand in glove. And I don't think we need less humans. I think what we need is to be able to retrain humans to be able to do more effective human-based work and provide better customer experience. And let the computers do what computers do,
0: right yeah, those simple, repeated repetitive tasks that we just as humans don't like to do. yeah, yeah I, like, I like your angle, and that's how I think about it too. Is it, it's not about getting rid of the humans, it's about we're going to have different roles to play that we're not playing now.
1: Or do the roles that we're doing now better, right? yeah, because yeah. we're not focused on the manual minutia. Mm-hmm and therefore we can focus on the outlier issues. I mean, how good would it be in the insurance industry to have the technology fill out all the forms and all that kind of stuff, and then the humans just sit there and say, wait a second, this doesn't make sense, because the computer goes, hang on, this doesn't make sense, kicks it out to a human, the human calls up the person and says, you know what, this, this, and this doesn't make sense, can we go through this and talk about it? Yeah. And work through it together? and be able to solve a problem quicker faster more effectively and in a more human nature mm. than all of a sudden sit there going this as not compute
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the th- that, and that's really the limitations um about that kind of stuff that i like i like how you're thinking about this and i i guess obviously passing this on to to companies that that's why i think about it. The, this human touch that human type empathy, sympathy, caring, understanding, those social cues, that w- will be more of what is required, I think, in the future as this yeah. AI stuff goes on. And and being able to problem solve. Yeah. It's being and given
1: the power to problem solve. Hmm. You know, that's the big thing is that if we give our employees the the empowerment to make decisions, and not have to say, hang on a second, I need to go talk to my manager or I need to, you know, I need to get back to you because I need to send this up to a committee and a committee needs to make a decision.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you know, people need to be able to have the thing that the person that's on the other end of the phone needs to be able to fix things. Mm. It's like when you walk into a car dealership and the salesman says, well, you know, I don't know. I need to go talk to my sales manager. And I said, tell you what, I'm coming with you. And you can go back to your desk because if if you can't make this decision, I'd rather deal with them. And I've done that. I've kicked salespeople to the curb and I've gone and talked to the sales manager (laughs) and and negotiated the end of the deal with the sales manager. You know, I said, you can pay him a commission or not. But you know what? If he doesn't have the power to make the decision, what do I need him for? Yeah, I sold cars. I hated that game. It's like so silly. You know you know he can make the decision yeah. you know they just they just put their feet up on the desk yes, and, 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 and they're trying to make you squirm for a couple minutes
0: yeah that's exactly what i i i'm having flashbacks to the the sales manager sitting up there with his feet literally on a desk saying so what what do we get how, how close are we like how much more can we squeeze yeah yeah I'm, and
1: can I'm, we get the uh, the uh, the Freight and PDI uh, you know, out of these guys after we close the deal? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. forgot. There's another fifteen hundred bucks in, in Freight and PDI. I'm sorry, you know, you know, uh, you know. I wish I could split it with you, but you know, it's 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 a, it's a cost.
0: We can't we can't we can't eat that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We take you go into finance, and there's more stuff they're going to try and sell you. Yeah, I know. When I bought my last car, my wife always talks about this. the 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 guy, the he had a picture of. What we think is his family, him, his wife, and his eleven children. My wife thinks that's a ploy to, to for sympathies. like, "Look at me and all my eleven children. Please, please buy lots and, of and I need me. to eat.
1: Yes, my yeah. children need to eat. We need to eat.
0: <laughs> and and I, and, I, and, I, and, I was, I, and that's the thing. Um, I, I like I said, I worked in car sales, so I went and I was like, "Listen, but I know this is where you make your money, but I don't need any of your shit in here. Like, I don't care about your picture of your family. <laughs> He's just like." well, this isn't going to go well.
1: (laughs) This is not going to go well. I've I've got somebody who's been in the industry and knows how the game is played because, you know, and that's the problem is when we play games with our customers, they know it. Customers walk into most situations and a lot of situations knowing more about your product than you do.
0: Yeah. We're way more educated now as consumers.
1: And because of that, why would you even try to lie to them? Why would you even try to bamboozle them? You know, your job is to facilitate the sale and to make things easier and build trust and relationships, right. you know, features and benefits and all that kind of stuff. They can find it on the internet.
0: Right. They already know them because that's why they're here at your product. We already know. They've already made that decision. Now this. they just
1: want, they just wanted to find out if are they buying it from you or are they buying it from somebody else? Yeah.
0: Am I getting here or I'm on Amazon? Which one am I doing? Right. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me, uh, I got a beat pair of beats headphones as, as a gift a few years back. And and I just wore them on my computer. And I don't even think it was a year. Those things were just destroyed. <laughs> and and I was so I was so frustrated I want I emailed them and I I tweeted them and stuff nothing they didn't even give a crap and I was like you're these are touted as these these premium quality things and all I did was wear them at my computer and I put them down and I take very great care of my stuff especially those headphones were I think what three hundred dollars whatever they're not cheap it was a gift to me you know so even more you know I was I I would never buy such a ridiculously priced thing. I you know, I don't see the value in something like that. But anyway, and and I was so disheartened. I would never buy anything from that company ever. Because the quality of the product was so crappy. And then I said, hey, this are a year old. I don't wear these at the gym. I'm not an athlete like you advertise these to be and all these different stuff. They couldn't even last a year in my home. I think you guys should rethink this. Nothing. I was I was really shocked. I really thought I would hear back from from a company like that. I, I just didn't, and I, I'll never do business with them ever. And
1: a lot of that comes to the fact that, you know, people want to be listened to, they want to be understood, they want to be valued. And if we don't value our customers, if we don't listen to them and listen to what their challenges are, you know, I, I had a client, um, years ago in the, pro- when I was selling promotional products, and they came back to me a year and a half later, and they told me that uh, that uh, one of the products, the oh, I know what it was, It's those those cell phone wallets that go on the back of your cell phone, so okay. so the sticky night things, and you put your Visa card in it. They mm-hmm. said, well, they're not sticking. I mm-hmm. said, okay. It's a year and a half later, uh, the glue does you know dissipate over time. Yeah. This is well, it, it hasn't ha- they haven't stuck for the full year and a half. I'm going. Well, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Like, if you told me this right away, I could have, fixed we would have sent them back. We would have gotten a brand new batch, and you guys would have had them. I says, a year and a half later, yeah. I can't go back to a company and be able to do this. So, we ended up, you know, giving them a discount on something else mm. to be able to help them out and make it up. But there was no way, like, I even talked to the customer. And they said, look, Ben, you know, if you had sent these things back, even 30 days later. Yeah. And said that the, the glue is failing. We would have fixed it. I said, absolutely. I know it was. But a year and a half later, if nobody tells me that they're having a problem, I can't fix it. And you know, part of that is on me to be able to go back three months later. And I, and I do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't sell promotional products anymore. But still, let's go back. Did everything work? Mm -hmm. You know, is everything okay? Are you satisfied? Are you happy with the work that you did? Is there anything that we could have done better? And giving your clients the opportunity to tell you that either A, they're immensely satisfied or B, you know what? It was a good job, but you know what? This, this, and this were missing. Okay. How can we fix that Mm -hmm. and have the opportunity? So it's not sitting there stewing in their mind that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to contact this person. I don't want to bother them about this. Maybe, you know, but it's, it's going to bother them. And guess what? If it bothers them enough, they're going to your competition next time. And they're not calling you next time there is an opportunity for you to fix them because they go, well, you know, I bought this stuff in the last time it didn't quite work. Or, you know, we did this, 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 uh, this project and, you know, I, I wasn't really happy with the outcome or, you know, if you don't know, if you don't ask the questions, you know, all of a sudden you can find that that person who you thought was a loyal, wonderful customer is doing business with your competition.
0: Yeah, that's a good point is that, that, that follow-up. <clears throat> How did you get into employee retention, right? Engagement, I'm sorry.
1: You know, I got into employee engagement is is because, you know, I've always been a brand guy. I've, I've you know, from the very beginning when I started off in direct mail, almost 25 years ago, you know, it always came down to, before we marketed something, what are we marketing and what, you know, before we can tell the story, we need to figure out what the story is. And it evolved from being very tactical to being very brand oriented. And, From there, I started realizing about five or seven years ago is that companies are spending an enormous amount of money communicating their brand value outside the company. Mm -hmm. But, you know, employees, you sit there and say, you know, to the point of they say that we have this promotion going on. We do. Yeah. We, we have this promotion going on. Well, your customers know about a promotion because your marketing department's been telling everybody about it, but they forgot to tell everybody inside the company that this promotion's going on. And how stupid do you feel inside the company when your customers are talking about a promotion that you haven't got a clue exists? Yeah. And what I realized is that it was ca- those type of things were causing employees to turn over. Really quickly. And, and over the last five to seven years, you know, tenure with companies is, is shorter and shorter and shorter because, you know, employees don't feel valued. They don't feel listened to, they don't feel understood Mm -hmm. and they're not led, they're managed, you know, and they don't feel that what they do matters. And because of that, I said, you got to be able to tell the story inside the brand. You have to be able to communicate more effectively within the brand. You have to be able to build leaders, you know, that can lead instead of manage. And, and And really, that became a passion for me. That became a real passion for me to be able to sit there and say, look, we need to be able to have your people inside the company feel that there's a purpose for them being there, mm-hmm. you know. They need something that they can hang on to. They can believe in that they can be proud of because if they're not, how are they ever going to be proud and how are they ever going to tell your story to your customers? Yeah. Yeah. So I look at it and go, the internal employee engagement is a big deal. I mean, Inc magazine says that 70% of your employees are disengaged in one way, shape or form in the office. Wow. 50% of employees are either actively or passively out there looking for another job. And this is costing the U.S. economy, Gallup says, about half a trillion dollars. Wow. You know, every employee that you lose costs you $100,000 to replace because it's not just the hiring and the firing process. It's not just the onboarding process. It's the time spent by ma- and managers and leaders to read through resumes and interview people when they sh- should be doing other things—it's the fact that you know when one person leaves, the slack has to be taken up by other people. So therefore, there's inefficiencies within the company. Jobs get you know um, done wrong. You know, things, jobs get missed. Customers leave because they're frustrated. Employees yeah. leave because the person who left finds another job, and they take two or three people with them. Mm-hmm. You know it can easily cost you a hundred thousand dollars every time an employee leaves you. That's after tax dollars, 10 employees a year, leave you, that could be upwards of a million dollars. You know, what could you do with a million dollars? What can you do with a hundred thousand dollars within the average company? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it's a matter of saying, are employees going to leave you? Yes, they are. Eventually they are. No employee is there forever today. Yeah. Don't even the days of the 35, 40 year employees within a corporation, they're going to happen. They're going to be anomalies.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, they are going to be anomalies. People are going to reach a position within their company where they're going to realize they're going, there's nowhere else for me to do. There's nowhere else for me, nothing else for me to learn. I can't grow anymore. I need to go find somewhere else where I can grow. And at that point in time, you need to celebrate that and you need to help them find something better for themselves. But leaders do that, managers don't. Right. You know, um, but in the meantime, if if there are ways that you can help people uh move around the office, learn new skills, do different things, build new uh experiences mm-hmm. and keep them engaged, why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. You know. Is you that know, the you're... main way to keep employees engaged is is new experiences? Yeah, I mean
1: Here's the thing. Your brand is only as valuable as your unhappiest employee on their worst day.
0: Oh, I like that. You
1: know, I think that that's probably the best way of putting it. You know, that an employee is, is, you know, your brand is only as valuable as your unhappiest employee on their worst day. You know, so if you've got a bunch of unhappy employees running around the office, Mm -hmm. what is that doing to morale? What is that doing to culture? What is that doing to customer service, customer experience, customer engagement? You know, if all of a sudden you have this surly person that's answering the phone and dealing with customers all day long. You know, what is that doing to people who stay there there going, oh, or, you know, even the pizza delivery guy, if you've got a pizza delivery guy and they're throwing pizzas at people and they're always late and the pizzas are cold and the boxes are bent, you know, uh, you know, and they're, they're, they're waiting at the door for the tip and will not leave until, you know, you tip them. Right, right. You know, you know, what does that say about your brand?
0: Not even that, I would I would expand that to now I get this pizza, now I'm pissed off. And well, hey, guess what? They're my children, not well, am mad, so I'm gonna take it out on you. And now you're mad that just if you it snowballs. It just goes everywhere. And next thing yeah. you know, Sally's mad and then she's mad and she's talking to Bob. And now Bob's mad and all those people they're talking to, and all those employees, and yeah, that's that whatever butterfly effect, whatever it's called. Yeah, that that is that's stuff we're not even I don't think we capture, we really think about is no. That Other things happen, you, you know, you, now you're mad at your neighbor and then you're a shitty driver. And yeah, there's a cascade is just immense.
1: Exactly. And, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of corporations, there are that one or two people within the company that are just cancerous. Yeah. You know, for lack of a better word, you know, I'm sure there's a much better word to use, but they're just toxic within, within the office. Yeah. And, you know, they could be a manager. They could be an employee. They could be the owner of the company. You know, um, and until you can do something to change those things, nothing around the office changes. Morale, mm-hmm. morale will, you know, focus around that person as long as that person is miserable. Right. You know, because, you know, it just wears everybody down. And when everybody gets worn down, you know, the company suffers because of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that, that stuff is, cont- is definitely contagious. Um, I want to go back to you talking earlier um, about um, valuing employees. What are what are some I don't know what are, techniques or strategies or theories or principles that you find that work? You use to at, to make an employee feel valuable. You know, it's got to be in the moment.
1: Okay. You know, uh, there's too many companies out there that do these wonderful evaluations on a yearly basis. And they said, well, you know, Bob, you know, Bob said that you do this. Well, when did Bob, oh, about 11 months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, How can you fix a behavior that happened 11 months ago uh, and it's now festered for 11 months,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and because you don't know that it's you know that you've done something good or you've done something bad, you don't know if you've done something good or done something bad until you know that review. So if you can catch people in the moment um, and be able to to sit there and say, you know what, great job, you know even great job. What are you working on? Do you need any help with that? You know, uh, is there anything I can? You know, do you, do you want to bounce any ideas off me? Do you want me to come with you to that client and 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 give you give you a hand with that? You know, and be able to support people mm-hmm. and be able to, you know, to have that positive viewpoint. Of the, uh, I think it's called, I'm going to have to look it up and get it for you. It's, it's, it's a new company called Get Perks, I think is the name of the company. Okay. And what they have is it, every employee gets an online Visa debit card. And they're both in the United States and in Canada. Um, and what it is, is that the manager can use an app on their phone and be able to text message somebody right away it says a great job. You know, thanks for doing blah. And it could be just after you saw it, the person you didn't say it, and boom, all of a sudden you get a text message and you can get $25 in your, in your, on your account. Wow, oh, that's cool. You know, so you automatically know that you're getting that money from that particular thank you. It's not a monthly quarter or quarterly or annual bonus. Mm-hmm. It's in the moment. And people want to be recognized in some way, shape, or form in the moment. And it doesn't have to be monetary. Yeah. A lot of times it can be just great job, yeah. you know, or I like the way you did that. Or, you know what, we're having a meeting next week. Could you, you know, could you talk about that? Because
0: I I really like how you handled that.
1: Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, it kind of
0: reminds me of that thing you said earlier. It kind of seems like it goes back to uh, how, how am I making people around me better? Yeah.
1: It's, it's all about how are you making people around you better? I mean, as I said, if, if that can be the way you can wake up every single morning mm-hmm. as a leader at any level in the company, how can I make either as a person who works within the company or a leader in the company, how can I make the people around me better?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, because if we're all thinking about how can we make things, people around us better, mm-hmm. first of all, you get a sense of satisfaction you know, for a job well done, you know, being able to help other people, you know, achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. Those people are living better lives and it just elevates, it just elevates the water for everybody. And it doesn't have to be big and complicated and it doesn't have to be, everybody gather around, everybody gather around, we're going to have a meeting and it says, I really want to recognize Sally. Sally may not want everybody around her knowing that it happened, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have somebody that needs that external pat on the back by everybody, fine. Then you do that. But for the majority of people, you need to know how do they want to be celebrated
0: and celebrate there. them in that way. Yeah. yeah, knowing each employee and spending that, that time as the, the, the leader to know each one of your employees, how they respond to things. I like yeah. that. answer a lot of coffee you know it's a lot
1: of right. you know a lot of five minute meetings yeah or 10 minute meetings or half, half hour meetings right. you know because that's what your job really should be yeah it's helping your team do what they need to do that's what your job is your job is to help them achieve their goals and help them do what they need to do as a leader that's your job it's not to micromanage it's not to write reports it's not you know it's not to you know create dashboards yeah. It's, it's, it's giving your team the ability and the skills and the opportunities to succeed.
0: Yeah. And like you're saying there, it doesn't take a lot to have a two, three, five minute conversation with somebody, you know, and, and really learn about them, take some notes or whatever. And I, I can see, and like you're saying, I mean, at a hundred grand, an employee, I mean, to have a five minute conversation once a week, twice a week, three times a week. I mean, it doesn't even have to be rigid or scheduled, but it, that's definitely worth a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, if you think, if you think about it from that type of really structured, you know, analytical point of view. It is It's time invested. Yeah, definitely. What has been the best failure uh, in, in your life? You know, looking back and saying, you know, probably not in the moment, you are like, this is going to be great in 10 years, but can you think of something that was like, man, this is horrible. And then looking back, you know, saying, wow, I'm glad I went through that.
1: Well, I think there's a lot of things that you do in your life that you sit there going, well, that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, no question about it. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was I blamed a customer for something that I shouldn't have blamed the customer mm-hmm. for. And I, I sat there and says, well, you signed off. on This is back in my direct mail days. Uh-huh. You signed off on it. You're responsible. You're, it's, it's your problem. You pay for it. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yeah. And they never came back.
0: Wow.
1: Ever again. Wow. So I, so I won a $30,000, you know, uh, payment Mm -hmm. and I lost a quarter million dollar a year customer. Dang. Yeah. So I think what it's done is, it's really forced me over the years to look at what do we need to do to win in the long run? Mm -hmm. You know, forget about short-term pain and short-term gain Let's start thinking a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. And what, what can you do to do that? I mean, I used to have a customer back when I, you know, back when I was in the printing industry that demanded, demanded that I print the business cards for the the CEO and his wife for free. And they had these fancy linen paper foil stamp. I mean, they were about 500 bucks a piece for, for these, for these business cards. First of all, what I did is I printed two or 3,000 of these things instead of 500 of them, and I put them up on a shelf somewhere so you had the economies of scale.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Second of all, I started building them into jobs. Ah. Absolutely. No problem. Happy to do it. We no argument whatsoever. Absolutely. There you are. You need more cards. Tell you what, I'm going to need about 10 days to get these cards made up. Let me get the card. There's no changes. No problem because there never was. Right, right yeah you know, there never was these people were you know retired, and they these were the cards that they used when they were on a, a cruise somewhere around the world to give to people yeah you know, um, I probably printed way more cards than I needed when I printed three thousand of them, mm-hmm. but you know what it came down to is how do you give the customer the illusion that they won without giving you know without giving up your your soul to do it mm. You know, and it, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way, you know, and you look at a customer and you sit there and say, this customer is giving me one hundred and fifty dollars or $200,000 a year.
0: Yeah.
1: For me to spend 1000 mm-hmm. bucks, you know, to get these business cards made up, I probably won another $200,000 worth of business. Yeah. By spending 1000 bucks, Okay. You know, yeah. does it make sense to spend, does it make them feel that they won? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. No problem. But it's a matter of, of looking at it going, okay, what's the long-term objective? Yeah. And the long-term objective is I want to keep getting invoices from, and, and purchase orders from these, from these customers year after year after year after year after year. And I did because you built up a level of trust in a relationship and I did their business cards for free
0: that that's that's good that's that long game that's hard for people it's it's really really hard but yeah when you can break it down like you're talking about and saying what what is this relationship gonna be how can I make this a 10 15 whatever five year relationship how much more you know can i can value can i provide how much more you know is this gonna you know provide for for your company for your whatever yeah that's i like that
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you got to think long term. I think that there's, you know, as the expression goes, North American companies think, you know, the end of the month or the end of the quarter,
0: Yeah, you know,
1: Asian companies think of the the decade or the the quarter century.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And I think that that's where you're, where your real benefit is when you're thinking 10, 25 years out you know the investments that you're going to make and the r&d that you're going to do and the developments that you're going to do based on i'm going to win over the next 25 30 50 years yeah. you know make a the it's a, it's a it's a mind sh- uh, shift switch it really is it's a mi- mindset shift
0: yeah. you're playing on and I
1: think that we we all need to start thinking more that way instead of worrying about you know what did we do this quarter or mm-hmm. what do we do at the end of this week you know, what, uh, what, what was our sales this week? And, and why didn't we, why didn't you sell more this week?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's you're, you're playing on. If you're thinking like that, you're acting like that. You're not, you're on a different level. You're, you're t- totally are. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, is, is there something you wish you've, o- you wish you always could have learned? You know what?
1: Truthfully, I wish I was better at social media yeah you know in, t- in terms of the funnels and the and, and the psychology behind social media it's just for me it's this black hole in the bottom of my mind i i'm great at the one on one engagement uh-huh. you know getting people having one on one conversations with people on social media perfect you know engaging one or two people in in a quiet conversation in the corner great but that one to many type of environment where people sit there and say, okay, well, we're going to get them on this, you know, get them into the funnel. And then we're going to get them on the splash page and into the funnel and, and and build them through this system. Mm -hmm. Psychologically, I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. But the question is, I have this thing where I sit there and say, okay, where's the cop? Where's the build? You know, are we truly building trust? You know, are we truly, building the customers that we want or are we building a transactional relationship? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I have this mental block about that transactional relationship of, 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 you know, getting somebody into the system once, selling them one thing Mm -hmm. and then maybe you'll see them again. Right. But maybe you never will, you know, and you have no relationship with the customer. And I guess those are the type of things that I, I, in some respects I do better because, you know, it would, it would, uh, it would sell my online course so much faster. Yeah. But my attitude is, you know what? I want the people who take my course to really, really do it because it's going to make their lives better.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. I uh, Social media. <laughs> I don't get it. I get a winner and then I get a dud and I don't understand it and I don't want to play in that arena. I just, I don't know. I don't like it. Um, what are the book or books that have helped you most on your journey. Do you have anything that comes to mind? Um, You know, I mean, there, there,
1: there are books that are older that are, that really helped me out as I got, you know, getting to yes and getting past no by Uri Mm -hmm. Um, there is the one minute salesperson, uh, the seven habit, you know, the seven habits uh, you know, how to win people, you know, win friends and influence people. You know, a lot of the classics, a lot of the stuff that's been around for years and decades. You know, and yeah. and and have really seen that. I mean, I'm just rereading The Go Getter by Bob Berg. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be on my podcast in the next little while. Cool. Um, there's a new book out by Cody Bateman, who owns Send Out Cards. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationship management. It's on it's on my desk. I haven't read it yet, okay. but I know you know by knowing Cody and knowing you know, the premise of the book, it's, it's going to be a great book. Okay. Um, I've always loved Seth Godin, Yeah. You exactly. know, Purple Cow, you know, all, yeah. all of, I mean, he's got what, 17 number one bestsellers
0: yeah.
1: pick one, you know, yeah. pick three, you, you, you won't go wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, I like, uh, there's a Simon Sinek uh, start with why, right. There's, there's a lot of good books out there. And, but for me, it's, it's reading a diversity, to me, it's yeah. it's it's getting a diversity of thought and sitting there saying, okay, what are the one or two things I can pick out from each particular one? I don't subscribe to any one channel. I'm not mm-hmm. a Seth Godin maniac. I'm not a Gary Vaynerchuk maniac. I'm not a Simon Sinek maniac. I'm, I'm not even you know uh, a Malcolm uh, Glad, uh, Gladwell uh, you know, maniac. I enjoy them all. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that any of these people own the rights to my soul. Every single one of them have ideas that I can incorporate into me and I can make me better, but it has to resonate with who I am and what I do and then take those things, modify them. So they, they, they truly, you know, resonate with my soul and how I do business Mm -hmm. and move forward. So I, you know, for me, it's taking a variety of different thoughts and from a different ideas and different channels and then just they're saying, okay, how does that resonate with with what you believe and what you're all about?
0: I, I like that. Uh, I was, I think it was Tim Ferriss or somebody who was talking to to somebody else, but um, something along the lines of the good shit sticks, and I kind of like that philosophy. I just look for, I just look for the. It good sounds stuff. like I'm Tim like, Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it was somebody else that had told him. I forget who it was, gosh, but it was something along the lines of, you know, how do you, how do you remember stuff from books or whatever it was? And the guy yeah. was like, the good shit sticks. Like you don't have to, I might've been Malcolm Gladwell that said that. I don't remember anyway, but I like whatever it's a, it's
1: a great line. It doesn't yeah. really matter who said it, you yeah. know, I mean, it matters to them, I guess, but, you know, but uh, to me, the thought behind it is is what's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that really opened up my mind to reading in in a different way and consuming Content, whatever, consuming these ideas in a different way. It's like I always was like, oh, what? I gotta get everything out of this whatever book and whatever. And after that, I was like, this the good shit's just gonna stick, and I'm just gonna take that. I'm gonna run with it. I'm gonna incorporate that into my life, into my teaching, to whatever it is. And I, that I, sounds so I like what you're trying to say too.
1: Well, I mean, let's take that a little further. I mean, sure. you and I have been on the air for an hour and a half now, or I guess sure. yeah. rough rough numbers nobody's going to catch everything that we've talked about. Right. Not everything. People are going to hit one or two highlights. There are going to be one or two things. Mm -hmm. They're going to go, okay, that really resonated with me. Yeah. It's like when I'm on stage for 45 minutes and I'm, you know, and I'm talking to an audience, you know, I sit there and say, you know, forget about everything else that I talked to you for the last 45 minutes. If you remember this one thing. Yeah. That's really what, what it's all about. Yeah. And it's, it's giving people that one thing and it's and allowing them to understand what that one thing means to them because everybody's going to interpret it differently. Yeah. You know, and it's, 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 if you give people too many choices, too much information, too much, you know, too much slop all at the same time, they become overwhelmed. I do. Yeah, I absolutely do. I, I become, if you give me too many choices, I'll pick the number four on, on the, on the menu. You know, I'll, I'll get, you know, I go into, uh, you know, where do I go into, um, Cheesecake Factory. Oh, yeah, you go into works. Cheesecake Factory and the, that menu goes on forever. Eighty seven you know, pages. I, yeah. I, I'm having, I'm having this chicken dish and I'm having this piece of cheesecake. Why? Cause I always have this chicken dish and this piece of cheesecake and this appetizer and that's it. There's three things that I eat on that Cheesecake Factory menu and that's it because the menu overwhelms me. There's too many decisions So I'm not gonna
0: change anything. Mm -hmm. And that's reality for most people. Yeah, I've been there once because of that menu. I was like, I'm never coming back here again. It took us so long to order. It was was all of us, it was our first time, Um, I'm never coming here again. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing, um, there's a good book, uh, The Paradox of Choice to talk about that. And also, Daniel Kahneman, in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, they do get into that. But we can only, once you get over about two or three choices, you just make no choice at all. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing it in Canada, but here in America, a lot of these companies, these big companies, Walmart targets and stuff like that, Safeways and different things, they found out that having 77,000 choices of tomato sauce is not doing them any good. No, it's not. And so they're condensing all this down to just the top few best sellers in each category and here um i I noticed most of walmart i mean it used to be before this the whole one aisle the whole entire aisle was just cake mixes now you've got like three choices and it's interesting to see that kind of go and it's nice in a way you're not overwhelmed with that choice and stuff and you know i like to You know, pass it on to like other things. If your website has 70,000 choices and 45 different payment options and 17 different plans. And then your your email has 14 different things you want people to do. Take that into consideration. You're going to do nothing. We're not going to do anything at all. So yeah, limiting those things to one, two, anything over three choices. We're just not as humans, just not going to make a choice.
1: Well, you look at people like Zuckerberg. Who wears the same t-shirt and the same pair of jeans every single day. He's got 42 or whatever, the same t-shirt and 22 pairs of the same jeans, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's his uniform. That's what he wears every single day because he doesn't have to think about it. Yeah. You know, it's one less decision that he has to make. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like me, I get up in the morning and I know I'm having a bowl of cereal. I'm having a cup of coffee and I'm having a piece of fruit. That's it. I know that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I might have yogurt if if right. there' if there's yogurt in the house, I'll have a yogurt. Yeah. but that's my breakfast every single morning. It has been for years. Mm-hmm. you know so when we when we eliminate certain decisions in our lives, it frees us up to make decisions on other things.
0: no, yeah, it does. and, and i i've I found that to be helpful as well as you know, I, I wake up in the morning, I open my dresser drawer, and I just stick my hand in 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 the row, and i whatever shirt that is, that's what I wear. I've already go. decided. I've already decided the types of colors and styles I like. I just grab and go. Every day for lunch, I have the same exact thing. I make the same exact salad <clears throat> every day. And then just these and we're so built on all these. Everything we do is, is habits. So it's something like 46 or 43% of the things we do every day are just habits. So a lot of those things, if you can just ingrain those into your life, it really makes things go and other things you can free up that mental bandwidth or whatever you want to call it for the bigger decisions or the contemplating of things. Very true. Very where, true. where can people find out more about you, your storytelling, your different uh, things you got going on? Well, I tried to put everything
1: in one repository there. There is the your brand website. And within that is my speakers page. It's my workshops, my online workshops, my, you know, um, uh, my podcast, I'll, I'll have this podcast up, up and running on that as well. I, I have a, a list of all the podcasts that I was on. Everything sits and even all my eBooks, all my free eBooks are on there as well. Everything sits at your You can get to my social media. You look in the top right hand corner, there's my phone number, there's my email address, you know, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. You know, if you desperately want to get a hold of me, call me 604 512 7174. 99% of people will not call me, but those who want to call me, you know what? The cell number is always on and I always do answer
0: it. Perfect. I w- don't rush out people. I will link all this in the show notes. And I, th- there's a special code for your course. Is that we have? Yeah. Uh,
1: what I've done is the course, the How to Retain Employees Through Leadership. I've given you a $50 off uh, coupon. It's mm-hmm. friends of Ben 50. So friends exactly of Ben 50, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's a $50, so that's a 10% uh, uh,
0: discount off, off the course. Well, thank you very much for that. I think I appreciate the sentiment and I think all the listeners and viewers will appreciate it as well. Okay, my pleasure. And then uh, one last thing before we wrap up here, on a social community show, I like to do a weekly challenge, um, something either we talked about on this episode or an idea or concept you want people to implement into their life. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to issue this week's challenge.
1: This week's challenge is I want you, whether you're a leader of an organization or within an organization, go up to three people within your, within your company and find out what they're passionate about and why. And it can have absolutely nothing to do with work. You you just say, listen, I want to know what you're passionate about and why you're passionate about it. You know, get to know people. Get to know people on a personal level. Get to know what what makes them tick. What what are the things that are important to them? Because the more we can understand the people that we work with, the more we can have a real relationship. And if something goes wrong, you have a, a, a level of trust that you can sit there and say, okay, fine. This went wrong. Let's stop blaming each other. Let's actually have a conversation about it.
0: Love that challenge. What's some? What's one of yours? You're passionate about.
1: I, you know, am a big golf junkie. I am oh. absolutely a golf junkie. And for me, golf is a passion because it's the imperfect game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is. You could play the same course fifty days in a row. And the game changes, Mm -hmm. you know, the pin may be differently. The grass may be cut a little bit differently. It may be wet. It may be dry. The wind may be coming from the right. The wind may be coming from the left. You may, you know, uh, you may be hitting the ball a little bit uh, smoother one day than you do. You're you're chipping, maybe on your putting, maybe on your, you know, you're driving, maybe you never know, you know, you're going to find yourself behind a tree that you never found yourself in before. It's the unpredictability of life and sitting there going, golf is a game of recovery. And that's what I, that's what I believe about life. It's not the situation we find ourselves in. It's how we get ourselves out of it. And that's what the analogy of golf is for me, because when you find yourself behind that tree, you don't pick up the ball and put it back on the green and go out. You sit there and say, <laughs> okay, I'm behind this tree. How do I get myself out of here? And it, what it may mean is I may have to chip backwards yeah. To put myself back on the green so I can go forwards again. But if you understand that, then that's a great analogy for life. That sometimes we have to go sideways or we have to go backwards in order to advance. You know, And, and I think that that's what I really love about the game
0: of golf. Well, I love golf and I have a new appreciation for it now. I like that analogy.
1: Well, there we go. It's just, you know, just...
0: <laughs> These are the things that come to my brain. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Thank you, Ben so much. Like I said, guys, everything will be the show notes at the social community. show. And um, thank you very much, Ben. I really appreciate all your time.
1: You know what? Thanks for having me on the show. This, this has been an amazing conversation. I I don't think I've been on a podcast this long and I love, I love the format. I I think that it allows us to get into a lot of different meets Mm -hmm. and be able to have a lot of very valuable conversations. And you know what? Hopefully, people take out of this podcast what's good for them.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. and
1: and that that they find two or three nuggets that really speak to them
0: and help them get make their lives better. Perfect. Thank you so much for the compliment. That that's my goal is is to have these a little bit longer form conversations so that we can extract a couple of these things. Like you're saying, we probably never would have found some of these things. and it's not what we think. It's what is. Pertinent to somebody's life in the moment, in the situation that they're in, 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 in right now. True. Like I said uh, in the beginning of this, I hope you guys really got a lot of good stuff out of this interview. I know I did. I got tons of notes on here. Lots of great stuff. If you're looking for more great things, you know how we do it around here. We like our giveaways. And head over to show slash pick me. See what we got going on for this month's giveaway. Like we 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 do books, we do courses, we do all kind of different things to help you folks grow. Whether it's that you know growing growing daily, your one percent or more, the weekly, monthly, quarterly, however it is you're doing your thing, we want to help add value, help find things that we're loving, we're using, and pass that on to you guys. Um, for everything we talk about, you guys know you guys head over to socialcommunityshow. Get all that stuff from Ben easily to get connected with him. See what he's got going on. Great courses and all that kind of stuff. i will all be linked in the show notes for you guys. Um, If you know somebody, uh, maybe somebody else on your team or at work or whatever is looking to help increase their storytelling ability, these couple of nuggets you found helpful, share this with them. Share this with people. It's the best way to support the show. If you like what we've got going on, uh, don't hesitate to leave a like, leave a review. If you have ideas for the show, don't hesitate to email us. Uh, in between shows, you can visit us at the Social Community Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for past episodes and links to everything we talk about every day. You visit the SocialCommunityShow. And until next time, keep learning, growing, transforming into the person you want to become.